Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard, and man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Uh, Hey, today I'm talking again to Pastor Steve Kerhoulis. You might remember that I interviewed him uh, a couple years ago, actually, on this subject of uh, should I stay or should I go? And that podcast was essentially on the on the topic of how long is it too long to stay in the church. And uh, since then, Steve, a good friend of mine, also a member of my leadership team, a a member of the Fruitful Vine uh, leadership team, uh, has retired, but he very quickly turned around and was involved in uh, intentional interim work with with IPM. And uh, so I interviewed him back in February, I believe it was, about what it's like to... Uh, come alongside a hurting church and be intentional in, in the interim uh, process. Uh, so, so basically, what do you do when a church is in trouble? Send the interim, uh, basically, was what we were talking about. And uh, as the expression goes, then COVID happened. And I have been sitting on this podcast for quite some time and, uh, and decided now to, to pull it up. And I think uh, my, my fear at first was that, man, is this going to be relevant anymore because so much has happened in the church? And, but then I realized, especially when I listened to it again, I thought this is even more relevant now in terms of uh, not just the, you know, the work of what an interim does, but what's going on within a church? What, what do you do when a church is in trouble? And as we've talked about in several recent podcasts that uh, COVID has really brought to surface a lot of underlying issues within a church. So I think this is going to be a relevant uh, podcast to do. And uh, so that's why I'm putting it up. And, and so, again, what Steve and I do in this podcast, is we talk about the challenges that churches are, are facing uh, that perhaps, as I said a few seconds ago, that COVID has perhaps brought up to the surface. Uh, but this is really an, an effort to understand um, also uh, the value and power of, of having uh, someone come and, and through a, uh, a process and a duration help a church that is hurting. And, uh, and that's what intentional interim work is. So without any delay, let's go ahead and jump into that interview with Steve Kerhoulis. <music> Okay, I have on Zoom conferencing Steve Kerhoulis, a good friend of mine. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing great, Mitch. Doing great. Hope you, you are. are. You are up in Maine. Last night, we got the results of the New Hampshire primary, and that is close to your neck of the woods. I Do people talk about that a lot in that neck of the woods? Not, not really. Really? Really? Not really. Not interested in what's happening in their neighbor's state, huh? I think they are, but they don't talk about it. <laughs> it must be that uh, that European heritage that most people still have there. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, hey, Steve, we did a the second time I've been interviewing you for a podcast. the The last one we did, which I think was about two years ago, early on when I was doing podcasts or started the podcast uh, uh, stream of my ministry. Uh, we talked. The subject was should I stay or should I go? Really, how long should a pastor stay? 
And I reminded you that I actually found a clip of that song, Should I Stay or Should I Go? So I'm going to look for a clip for this topic today. All right. <laughs> and, the, and the topic is, why is my church in so much trouble? <laughs> so I don't know if there's a good song, country song, that will be able to adapt into this. Um, well, listen, you, you have... Uh, you've been in transition. Uh, actually, you made this change uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, give us a quick summary of, of your journey and, and mostly why are you doing what you are doing right now? Because you're working for a ministry uh, that does intentional uh, interim work. Uh, so talk, talk a little bit about how you landed there. Okay. I um, started praying about what we were going to do after retirement. In other words, after finishing traditional ministry, what would we do? And so we started praying about that about four years into it. I got connected with uh, interim pastoral ministry, started reading about it, liked it, liked what I was reading because of the process. And we'll talk about the process Mm -hmm. that we put a church through. But um, started really considering what am I going to do when I'm finished? really when I, when I retired. So, um, four years later, we were asked to, um, to consider a church in Freeport, Maine to come on board as a interim pastor. And we felt like this was God's plan for us. And we sensed it in our heart that he was leading us in this direction. So we, we, uh, accepted the call to come and, uh, we started here two years ago in February. So I actually retired my last sermon in uh, Jan- on the last Sunday of January, got in our car, started driving Monday, and uh, started here on Thursday. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you really did not retire, Steve. No, and you, so you, we really didn't retire. And, uh, you moved very a- quickly. So what, what, how did you prepare for uh, to be part of IPM? Did you have to? Well, oh, there's a manual. We have, mm-hmm. uh, this ministry is well organized, and we have a manual. So we had to go through some training. Mm-hmm. We went through training uh, four years prior to coming on board. Then we went through training again. A second time, and then the manual, and I have studied the manual, gone through it, and uh, it's uh, it's a roadmap for what we do to help revitalize a church yeah. that that uh, could be in trouble. It's interesting. It, it's it, it's intended for you know the ministry ministry's purpose is for churches that that are in transition, that are hurting, that need an intentional interim. But this is also good for a pastor who, like you has had a lot of experience, doesn't want to, you know, buy a lawn, new lawn chair at Walmart and find a sunspot somewhere and lay yeah. down with your tequila. I mean, your, your Coke and, yeah. uh, you know, in, in nice, nice. What sun kind hat. of Coke are you referring <laughs> to? <laughs> exactly. You better clarify yeah. that. <laughs> so, so, you know, I think maybe one of the advertisements here is that, uh, you know, if you are a pastor looking for transition, still have energy and passion for ministry. Uh, there's opportunities like this, but we also want churches who are hearing this to know uh, that there is a ministry and there are a number of ministries out there that are a resource to you where you can tap that resource and they will come in and be very intentional with you. And yeah. I'm going to share with you uh, in about four or five questions, just my, where I think it, it just goes bad, you know, when interim work just doesn't go well. 
Um, so what, what is IPM? And here, here's what, how I would love for you to answer this question. What's usually going on in the church that this ministry shows up and is needed? Okay. Usually something has occurred in the church. You know, Mitch, the church is in trouble. We need to, as uh, Christians, we need to recognize that the church is, is pretty, pretty broken. And, um, we, we, the statistics are alarming, actually, on the numbers. I mean, um, 80% of churches in America have less than 100 people attending. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, between 80 and 90% of churches have plateaued. And that's always a bad place to be on that plateau. And, you know, 3,500 churches are closing annually. And uh, the numbers are really uh, telling us that uh, the church has got to address the internal problem, this internal combustion engine of the church that runs this thing is, uh, is broken. Mm-hmm. It's broken. So what we come in, we are asked to come in and to help um, like a mechanic to try to, to, to find out what's wrong try to fix that problem and then help the church to then look at, towards its future. Yeah. It's a diagnostic that you do uh, early Correct. on. Yeah. Correct. All right. So, so generally IPM shows up, you showed up at a church that, uh, that had a, a troubled history and you take time, you're pastoring the church full time, you, but your intent for being there is uh is beyond uh what a normal pastor would do and yeah. that's the shepherd to preach you're you've got a, you've got a short-term goal in mind of transitioning out as the church is healthy how long does that usually take on average for uh a ministry like this to go in and the church is ready to uh, it's healthy enough to receive a pastor i would say a minimum of 2 years and could be up to three years, between two and two and a half years mm-hmm. for for this when a church is pretty broken. Um, yeah, it takes longer. Okay. So the deeper the problem, the longer it takes, or is it not that easy? Yes, I think the deeper the I think that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, you were talking earlier about the state of the church plateauing, um, and you can you know, reflect, as I ask this question, or as you answer it, reflect on your, your current situation, but maybe even looking back in your own, your own experiences. What are some of the most common problems churches face that you know, perhaps for the sake of this conversation uh, lead up to this kind of urgency where someone needs to come in from the outside to bring healing? restoration yeah i thought about that quite a bit i think for me the the issues stem from it's a systemic issue and that has to do with leadership it has to do with pastoral leadership if there's problems within the pastoral leadership it's going to create problems uh, for the church And then if the leadership, if there's problems within the leadership of the church, that's pretty much going to guarantee that there's going to be problems even when the pastor either leaves or is removed or retires. Mm -hmm. So leadership 
is the key, I think. You're only as strong as your leadership. And it's look at the Jesus model, um, spending that time with those uh, men and raising up a leadership that would replace him. And then uh, they realize, and, and God knows that uh, even in the best of situations, the Spirit of God is required to even help the leader to lead. And so if a leader is leading well and the Spirit of God is moving in that person's heart, the church is healthy. Leaders are healthy. The church is healthy. If the leaders are not healthy, the church is not healthy. And um, so we come in, I, I came in to a situation that that was accurate. I called one of the men, one of the deacons to the office after I was here three weeks. And I said, um, the, uh, you know, the service, I feel like the service is like a, a, a funeral service. I've said, people are so sad. They're so broken. They're so hurt. I said, this, this feels, um, it, when you come in here, it just feels so heavy. And I told him, I said, your church is on life support. It'll either, either it'll be like Lazarus coming forth or you're going to have a funeral. And I want you to know that, that we're going to put the church through a strategy, but at the end of this thing, it may not work. Mm. And uh, you need to know that it, this, this may not work and it only works in light of leadership. Yeah. So you, you felt early on, like you were a hospice chaplain that uh, your role yeah. might be to make the dying process as comfortable as possible, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and you don't want that. You're hoping that there's a window where, where things can change. Yes. Um, it, it's interesting, the, you know, when you talked about leadership before, you know, let's say a church is troubled and before they seek help from the outside. I, I often will tell married couples when they're struggling between each other, there's, there's tension, there's brokenness. I'll say, hey, you know, it, and it's easy to say this, it's harder to practice it, but if, if both of you are being obedient to God, this is going to work out. That's right. Uh, what does it take for a church leadership to see that their church is broken and hurting, but if all of them collectively say, we're going to be obedient here, um, how well can something heal and okay. recover? I think, like, well, your illustration about a, a marriage, how can a marriage heal, can it heal? Um, the answer is yes, uh, on both fronts. I think that what IPM does is it, it forces the leadership. We create what we call a transition team. We had a, between 18 and 20 people on that team, and uh, they, we met weekly for, for months. And what we did was we looked in the rearview mirror. We looked back. You know, Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, but you got to deal with what lies behind in order to forget it. So we uh, spent weeks and uh, I'd say six, eight weeks on looking at the, through the rearview mirror, looking at themselves, looking at people. We were um, not afraid to name names. We said this person, that person, and we dealt with this uh, uh, thoroughly so that we could then turn our attention looking ahead. You can't have a future if you're stuck in the past. All and right, let me, let me pause here. So you call out names. You mean you actually 
uh, are identifying people publicly who are within the team, and, the it, team within that, the transition. Okay. Team. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Within okay. the transition team, you have to do that. Yeah. So you're uh, saying if you're noticing there's a bad attitude, a wrong spirit, you, you call that out. Well, not just among team members, but about the church in general. Of, okay. Of, gotcha. How people, how people, what people said, how they handled it. Um, mm-hmm. Meetings, da 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 da, being um, upfront, transparent. This is what went on. You know, you can't it, it, look. Um, there are no. I I, I tell my uh, people that I do counseling. I I'll say to them, listen. There's no healthy secrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. the, the secrets. This kind of secret. A secret can really create a problem. So we got to be able to be honest and transparent about ourselves as well as um, uh, uh, questioning and uh, determining whether someone else did something wrong so that we can try to fix it. You can't fix something that you don't know. Uh, sure. You don't know. Yeah. 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 And so you said early on that you're, you're, you've been there a couple of years. Uh, things are healthy. We can talk in a few minutes about where you're at in this process. Can you share a story or two where, uh, there was a breakthrough and it moved from, you know, you seeing a, a, a hurting, dying church to like, oh, you know, there's a breath of fresh air here. We're seeing renewal. Um, yeah. are, you, are you comfortable sharing maybe one or yeah. two key hinge moments that were yeah. really significant in this transition? Yeah, I think one of the hinge moments happened when I uh, – I shared with the congregation, I shared with the transition team after, now they're talking a lot, they're bringing a lot of things up. So this was not an observation that was uh, from some book I read. This was something that I had seen in the process. And so I brought this up and I felt like the Holy Spirit had given me wisdom and it was a breakthrough moment. And the breakthrough moment, one of them happened when they recognized that they had had a pastor for 36 and a half years and that within the leadership, there was nothing really in their experience to deal with the crisis that developed. So they didn't know how to handle Hmm. what they were forced to handle. And they needed to ease up on people that made mistakes because it was not within their experience to know what to do, they were making it up as they were going. They were trying to figure out things. And sometimes, you know how you you have a conversation with someone and you're thinking out loud and the person thinks that what you just said is what you mean, but in reality, you're just trying to figure out in your own mind if something is, is true or accurate or, you know, or if you're evaluating correctly. You're just talking out loud and the person gets angry at you. Mm-hmm. All because there's nothing in your experience to help you to evaluate that moment or that event. So once they realized that that's who they were, they were novices at handling this kind of crisis. They kind of eased up on each other. Kind of, kind of. That's they, that's they great. Breathe. They breathe. They yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. That's a that's a good breathing word. breathing grace. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that allowed you to go deeper in in this process. Yeah, um, yeah. So, it's kind of like we didn't know what we were doing, and and yeah, and so quit blaming each other. 
Mm-hmm. Quit being okay. mad at each other because, say, uh, I'll just make up a name. Frank said something at a meeting, which Frank did, and someone held this, what they did, strongly against him. But when they realized and started, and I, I brought this up when that, this, what I just re- said to you, they went, okay, I, get, mm. I, see, I can see that, that he didn't really know how to handle this. And, okay, he didn't handle it well and said some things about the former pastor that he never should have said, but he didn't know how to handle it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, that's good. I guess, Steve, that they, he had a frank conversation, right? He did. He, it was, yes. Get, get it? Get it? We needed some levity here in the podcast interview. We do. I can hear my two listeners groaning right now. Uh-huh. That futile attempt at a joke. <laughs> Steve, there, there's two kinds of interims. There, there's intentional interim, and then there's there's just interim, <laughs> where yeah. you know a pastor leaves, whatever the circumstances uh-huh. are, the church or the leadership district or whoever supervises the church feels like, you know, hey, we need you know we need some space here between the last pastor and the new guy coming in, so so people can adjust. And in my case, the you know, church that you're both, both you and I are familiar, you know, which church I'm talking about. There was a 14 month interim between the last pastor who left under, you know, a cloud, very difficult circumstance in my coming. And uh, I called him a holdover interim. Uh, Again, it was a hurting church. It was a church in crisis. It was a large church. This, this all happened with a pastor at its peak of its growth and his popularity and so when I came along, I had assumed that, you know, the major issues would have been dealt with, the problem people would have been, you know, talked with, grace, you know, would have been breathed out and lived out. And uh, very quickly, in fact, within a couple of days of being there, I found that, uh, oh my, uh, all the problems are being deferred to me. And um, it was good in a lot of ways because I, I was ready to handle these things, but in some ways too much damage had been done um, and, and, and too much was transferred to the new pastor. What's the difference there? And, and, you know, why should we avoid that or should we avoid that kind of interim? I think that um, that, that particular situation warranted a – Inter, a non-traditional interim, someone who could intervene uh, in the life of the church. Um, the traditional interim, I, I, I look at the traditional interim as important. They're like a substitute teacher. They, they're kind of looked that upon as a substitute teacher. You know how substitute teachers mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. That's a really good parallel, yeah. Yeah, you throw stuff at them, you know, the kids do. And, and so they're there for a, a short period of time. And then you have an intentional interim pastor. And that's, uh, that's the guy that goes to the church, and the church is reasonably healthy. Um, there's not real issues. They've got a good leadership, and the, the uh, pastor is going to go in there and try to strengthen leadership and help them to regain vision and mission and all that stuff or to, and then they, what we do uh, often is we're intervening. We're actually coming in uh, as a, as a consultant that the leadership defers to 
as its leader, we become the leader of the church for a period of time, and they are to submit to the uh, leadership of the interim so that the process can take place and work. This is in a church that's dysfunctional. I mean, um, this this particular church didn't even have a mission. I mean, we had, they had some elongated mission statement that no one mm-hmm. could even repeat. Um, and so they had no mission, no vision. Internally, they were, they were choking, and uh, they needed someone to come in and just do the Heimlich maneuver on them to try to, help <laughs> to relieve this thing that was really killing the church. And um, mm. so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so avoid avoid interims that defer all the problems to the new pastor. <laughs> That's the lesson we're, we're yeah, wanting to do today. You're setting everything up for failure. Yeah, if you, yeah don't, and, you don't do that. Yeah, and if there's, a, if there's someone from leadership in a church listening to this, uh, I think our encouragement would be be very intentional yourself in what you want from an interim coming in. So before we call in our new pastor, this is what we need from our interim. Because an interim can can do things that uh, a long-term pastor cannot do. You know, he's there for a short period of time. He's got no, no. dog in the fight, uh, you know, no history. You, yeah, you would be surprised. What? No, no. And they're not going to fire the interim. They're going to um, – they're going to welcome the interim as as someone that can help them. We're, right. we're a sick right. church and we need help. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they, they'll honor that interim and work with that interim. This church has been amazing in its submission to my leadership. And it's, it's worked because of that. That's awesome. So trust, uh, trust has been developed quickly. Oh, oh it's the yeah. most, it's, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. Um I want to I want to give a an extreme example here a story you you and our you and I are both familiar with. I think you're familiar with this and I'd like to transition to what happens once things are healthy and you know where the church is at what the church starts to do. But you remember a church close to where both you and I were for a season uh-huh. the pastor had come back to church and the locks had been changed was that you, do you remember that story? Um, no. Okay. Uh, well, it may be someone else that told me that, but that uh, I share that as an extreme example of what, you know, the, the depth of depravity, you know, of, of people within this beautiful spiritual climate. And I guess my question is, uh, how can it get that bad from uh, your perspective? Well, I, I go back to what I said. I think leadership, when you have one thing is somebody can have a strong personality and, and uh, their contributor to the church and should never be in leadership mm-hmm. because leadership has to have qualities going along with that character qualities so that leadership can be effective and can be godly. It should always be a godly leadership. And uh, godly leaders are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're controlled. And they'll behave, the they'll behave in a godly way, obviously. They yeah, this, bring, this they, brings in, obviously, the importance of, of elders who 
qualify biblically. Yes, that's is right. that something you're when you're in the interim you're teaching the elders yeah. what those biblical qualities are? Okay, you are, all right, um, excellent, excellent. You know, all right, yeah. so so things get healthy in a church. It's time for uh, you you to assist towards the next phase. Um, what factors um, need to be in place for a new pastor to come in? Again, we, we tend to rush this. Sometimes I shared with you before we hit record that, you know, at least in, in, in a couple times in my case, it was a weekend romance with the church and we fell in love. And then, you know, we, you can find out that the chemistry is not good. Yeah. Um, so what, what is your sense of what needs to be healthy in terms of that process? Churches, uh, churches hire pastors in two ways. They are looking for the pastor to assist them in becoming healthy again. Most churches do that. So the church is unhealthy. They want the pastor to make them healthy. So they bring the pastor in and they say, they, the pastor needs to have vision and he needs to bring us mission. He needs to, uh, so they put the responsibility onto the pastor. So they have this enormous expectation on the pastor to be that man, Superman, that's going hmm. to transition an unhealthy church to a healthy place. Okay. Now, Sometimes what happens is that pastor has such a personality and giftedness that the church really begins to flourish, but it's still unhealthy. And, and I've heard of people saying, man, we went to that church. We like what the pastor had to say, but no one in the church spoke to us. No one made us feel welcome. What, that's an indication that the church is still unhealthy. So, Churches need to become healthy, be healthy, and, and um, I'll, I'll describe what I think that means. It's, um, church has to know who it is and what it is and where it's going. So the, the body of Christ, rather than bringing a pastor in and saying, we're going to fit into you, the church has to be healthy, has to have goals, values, mission statement, constitution has written well, and then they go for a pastor and say, hey, this is who, do you like what you see? The pastor said, I like what I see. Then the church has to decide, do we like what we see in this person? And But the, but you, the pastor is not coming in to change a blasted thing. Mm-hmm. The pastor's coming in to fit into something that's very healthy rather than trying to fix a church that's unhealthy. So yeah, that's it, it's, respecting, it's respecting the history of the church. And well, it's not just respecting the history of the church. It's that, like, for example, um, this church, we worked really hard on developing a mission statement. We spent weeks on this. We wrote down hundreds of things on a, a board, and we spent weeks on this. And then the Spirit of God moved, and we came up with the simplest, most beautiful mission statement, that the mission of First Baptist Church is to glorify God, to love others, and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's all we are about. 
we want to glorify God, and that takes care that takes place in this facet of the church. We want to love other people, that takes care of missions and outreach in that facet of the church. And we want to make disciples, and that takes care of that facet of the church. And that's if you ask anybody in the church now, any leader, they can quote that. Yeah, well, so, they contributed to it, which they which did has ownership. Yeah, and, yeah. but the, here's the point: is that the new guy, when he comes in, we're not asking him to create a mission statement. Mm-hmm. We're asking him to look at the church's mission statement and go, "Man, that's my heart. This is who we are, and this yeah, is our DNA. This yeah. is who we are. And look, if this is not who you are." Mm-hmm. What questions to, to determine that, that dynamic, if there is a, a chemistry, you know, uh, if, you're the, if this is the right church for the pastor, right pastor for the church, what questions should the, should the pastor be asking as he's in that candidating process? Well, we have, what we've done is we've, we've kind of geared everything around that, so when we put together our package for people to look at who were interested in our church, they could see these are our values. This is who we are. And the questions that we asked were in light of, That's good. of, the, of this. Mm-hmm. And so they, they know right off, they, they know what, what we look like. Yeah, because a lot of times a pastor, in the short time he has, he's hunting for these things. Like, where you know, he's asking a lot of questions, and he yeah. he's not always going to get honest answers, yeah. and or people are going to put on their best face, and you yeah. know, may, maybe make things up if he, if they've not thought through and what their vision is, then they feel like they need to come on come up with something on the spot. But yeah. in in your case, it's everything's well prepared, pastor. He knows what questions to ask because he's seen yeah. uh, that the church owns who they are. They own That's the mission. Right. Okay, own, we own the uh, mission. Hey, uh, to, to kind of wrap up here, Steve. Well, for you personally, uh, what has this been like for you? How? What have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about the church that maybe you would have not known had you not had this experience? Um. This experience with this organization has been so positive that the the plan works. The if you uh, what I would say to interim pastors, if you're interested in this this ministry, the plan works, the process works, and it works well. And at the end, like right now, we're in the process of pastoral search. There's um, there's these five phases that we put the church through where, um, would you like to hear them? I think it'd be good. Sure. Yeah. The yes. first phase is connecting, connecting with people where I interviewed every person in the church and asked them 10 questions that IPM put together. Mm-hmm. And so I connected with people. It took some months. Then, um, we then take that and that becomes uh, an evaluation for assessing church health. And I wrote up everything they wrote. They wrote down. I wrote it up, and uh, and then put it put it together in a on a page and gave it to the transition team. So we formulated the transition team, 
of these persons and started meeting with them and they got the evaluation and they all agreed this is this is right this is true mm -hmm. this is accurate so then we used that as we were assessing our church's health for weeks and looking in the rearview mirror then we decided okay we're done we need now facilitate action and when the facilitating action phase we looked at our documents we looked at the constitution we looked at everything that the church currently had and we decided that we need a new one so we redid the entire church's constitution and that was during facilitating action other things happened where the church decided to develop five teams headed by an elder and assisted by deacons and deaconesses and so that came under facilitating action and then we led strategic planning where then we broke up the uh, church into these i mean the uh, leadership team into five teams and they then put short-term and long-term goals together and they've been working on short-term and long-term goals under each one of these five teams and out of the five teams now the budget is now the five teams have created the budget so all we do as a church those five things mm -hmm. we're committed to those five things and everybody in the church knows that's that's what we do and then now we've graduated to uh the pastoral search and i'm involved with that and we've been at it at it since october and uh, we've interviewed several. We've had several to apply. And um, we're thinking that we've got a direction that we're going. So in. this has been exciting for you. It's been good for you. Oh, it's been amazing. Yeah. What, awesome. um, yeah. Um, what scriptures have been particularly significant for you through this process? <laughs> well, um, a lot. I mean, we've been... We've been studying, I've been taking the church through um, the book of Acts. And um, mm -hmm. the thing that has been really, I mean, I, I knew this before and I know this is true. What, what, I, what people don't get is that, for example, when, um, when Jesus said, you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Mm-hmm. So what I, you know, A.W. Tozer really clarifies this, where he says that people are looking for power, forgetting that the power is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Because Paul talked about God doing amazing things in weakness. He wasn't very powerful when he was so weak, and yet God was doing the most amazing things when he mm -hmm. was weak. Mm -hmm. So it's the Spirit of God that the Christian has got to connect with. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning that and they're learning mm -hmm. it and I'm preaching and harping on this. So that, that whole idea of the spirit of God, not the power, but the spirit, like it's the fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, it's him. It's connecting with the spirit of God. So it, how, how are you, how are you different from this experience? How are you a different pastor having, having experienced this? I think, um, you know, I look back at some of the mistakes I made mm -hmm. and I would have done things differently. Mm. Yeah, I would have done things differently. I think um, we, um, you know, leaders lead, pastors are leaders, people 
look to pastors to lead. And yet the um, table has to be round where you trust your leadership in helping you to make the very best decisions. And there were times when I didn't um, trust my leadership or I wasn't listening. I felt like I should do something and, and did it. And um, some of those things didn't turn out well. Mm. Yeah. Are you are you enjoying? I mean, I think when we pastor, we get we get bogged down by, you know, the the logistics, the um, you know, the pressures that are there to to do well, to see the church grow. Uh, has this been different for you personally? No, um, mm-hmm. it, it's been different, but pressure is pressure. Um, leaders feel pressured. Mm. I felt like um, I was charged by IPM to come in here for a season for a purpose. Oh, oh so you do have that pressure of, of this being a good outcome, of course. Yes, and you mm. you feel that you want to be mm. you want the church. You don't want to leave and go, man. Did I mess things yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. You want to feel the opposite that things uh, turned around and went well. And so there is this, um, you, there's a lot of preparation for your meetings and you have to think a lot. You have to write. I, I've written so much for meetings. Um, what, you know, try to hand stuff off to leaders to look at. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it, it, it sounds though that for you personally, and I wanted to end this with just, you know, to hear from your heart that, um, this was the right thing to do at this season in your life. Yeah. And again, as we started out here that, um, you know, if you're a hurting church and you're in transition, there is again, ministries like this that are available to come and, and to heal and to recover, to restore, to capture again, the mission, the vision of the gospel of the great commission. And also if you're a pastor and, and, you know, you are in transition and the, idea of a long-term pastorate is not the right thing, but you, you still have a heart for a church, pa- passion and energy, um, yes. and also experience. You know, obviously there has to be a, a, a level of giftedness in this, which yes. you, you definitely have. Then, uh, you know, hopefully this will encourage some pastors to consider something like this. Uh, Steve, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I think you just uh, wrapped up. You just kind of it. I've summed it perfectly, huh? You summed it beautifully. If I love in- this, I, I love this. Uh, Ray, I don't know if you ever listen to Candace Owens, uh, but she she when she does, I mean, she's got millions of listeners in her podcast. But she always ends with her guest saying, "I want you to leave a voicemail for the world. What would it be?" <laughs> and uh-huh. in, in your case, is you said it all. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Steve. Uh, did a great job uh, interacting with this, and I'm excited about where you're at and what you're doing. And may the Lord continue to bless you and give you what you need to to wrap up well there in, in that ministry. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good talking you to so you. Good talking with you, Steve. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments you want to make about this particular episode or others, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. 
And don't forget our website, www.beforeyouquit.us. Love for you to visit that and uh, track the uh, over 71 different podcasts that we've done, a number of blogs as well. So until next time, stay encouraged, be courageous, because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.